In the beginning, when you have comparison and it starts to come up a little bit, you'll probably run into some attachment issues somewhere down the road, which is a good thing because what we learn to do in relationships with another person that we see day in, day out, is we learn a very healthy dance, right? It's a dance of making sure the relationship works. But in that dance, a lot of times we learn how to move around the things that would normally ruffle our feathers, like comparison or jealousy. And you'll find at the end of like not being able to do this dance well, because this is hard, um, that you'll run into attachment issues that you have not needed to look at because it didn't, it wasn't necessary for the relationship to run smoothly or on autopilot. Um, and now you have to. So I wouldn't be surprised if behind the comparison is like your attachment issues being like, hello, here I am. Let's talk about it. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from all over the world to hear their personal journeys of self-discovery through the lenses of love, sex, and relationships. Our mission is to show people that they're not alone and to inspire them to embrace their true selves so that together we can open minds and live authentically without shame. We believe everyone's story is powerful and beautiful, yet it's important to remember that everyone does life a little bit differently and that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we aren't doctors. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Good morning. Well, good afternoon, Misha. How are you? <laughs> Hi. Uh, it is afternoon. It's a for good you, time. For you. For We're spanning time zones. We are. We are. I love the fact that you're a little is it behind me, I guess. Yeah. Like, uh, so your morning is my afternoon. My afternoon is my morning. <laughs> that works for me. Um, hello. Welcome to us talking about all of our community questions and hopefully answering some things or at least shedding some light, getting some conversations going. Um, we're hoping that they're as interesting to you all as they are to us. Yeah, these I, I loved both of these questions. I think what's exciting too is one of them. So most of our questions for the last few weeks have come from within our virtual community. We I think we had to uh, get a little momentum going with our uh-huh. with our close knit community. But we've got one that came in from from the greater community from just listeners that that was somebody awesome. we didn't know, and so we're we're excited about that and just wanted to remind everybody that 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 these are. This is for you as well. So if you have a question or concern or things, please send them in to us. There is information in the show notes about how to do that or on our website under the Ask Us Anything tab mm-hmm. under the, the podcast heading. So yeah, we're yeah. excited for this. Yes. I'm Misha. This is Ben. Welcome if it's your first time and we're happy that you're here and send us some questions. We don't mind big ones or small ones or sexy ones or just emotional questions. Send them in. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe just the, the 10 seconds on who each of us are. I've, I've been exploring non-monogamy for over 15 years and have interviewed hundreds of people and read and researched lots and lots and lots and have a lot of practical experience. And I'm also finishing up a year-long coaching uh, program as well for relationship, sex and relationship coaching. And so those are sort of my my two second credentials and Miche, what, what, what brings you, what makes you qualified enough to have an opinion on these topics? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever going to be quali- qualified enough, but I do have opinions. Um, I am a marriage and family therapist. Um, 
However, in the majority of the realms that I work in ENM, I come at come at it from a coaching practice stance. Um, I've been personally ENM for about four and a half years now, and um, are still working through all of my own like what is this and what are these combinations of emotions. So I come from not only like a therapy tool set, coaching tool set, but also a personal experience um, toolkit, trying to figure out how I'm also walking through life and doing this well. Um, and I've been working with couples and individuals now for about six years um, and, and and I'm enjoying it. So I'll keep doing it. I love it. I love it. I think there's one one part of your intro that I would love to highlight because I think it underscores a theme for today, which is you are you said you've been doing this about four and a half years in the world of non-monogamy mm-hmm. and you're a coach and a therapist and you're still figuring it out four and yes, a half I'm years still in. Figuring it out. <laughs> okay. Just I just think that's an important framing. And I will say that having been doing this for over 15 years and some transitions in the last few years that have brought polyamory to the forefront versus more of a a casual, I would say friends with benefits dynamic. I'm still learning a lot. So just the learning never stops, um, I think is is one of the important things. And so we're we're both learning, but I think that's really important for these two questions that we've got today. Yeah. So without further ado, should we jump into the first one? Let's get it. Hi. Um I don't have kind of new to this stuff. I just I've been in a polyamorous relationship for like three months now and kind of new to the feelings associated with with it and go along with it and the biggest thing that i'm trying to wrap my head around is how to get around the like comparing to other to my partner's partners but is that a thing and is it how do you work around that or how do you get through it not that i'm struggling with it but it's kind of been a little bit of an uh a concern. Yeah. Well, That's it point. is a good question. And I'm just curious, Michelle, have you ever compared yourself to a metamorph? No. Not yet. Mm-hmm. I was like, all of this is perfect. <laughs> I'm not worried. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> no, comparison is so normal. It's like you do it from the time you start school and realize that other people have other things that you don't have. And maybe I want it. I don't know. Is it does is what I have good enough? You know, I think it's a very human natural thing that we do yeah and am i good enough could i be better should i be better how can i be better right and there's just constant it's just constantly coming at us and i i i think yeah i I wanted to start too by just saying like yeah comparison is a thing i think i think pretty much everybody does it and i i think what's what's interesting about this for me is when you open into the world of non-monogamy and maybe polyamory more specifically right you have you have the outside world the people who are not necessarily doing this and their feelings are you should be jealous you should be comparing how can you do this and so you have all of these like reinforcements that i should be i should be comparing and so maybe i wanted to say up front like listener or people listening maybe maybe that's not a thing for you and that's okay right like you don't you don't have to struggle with everything that everybody else struggles with that's okay to not and i also within the polyamorous community there's often a lot and it's not from everybody and i actually feel like maybe it's been cooling off a bit but the 
the, hey, a good poly person wouldn't compare. A good poly person would do it like this. And, and I think just giving yourself the permission to, to be you. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, I think there's a lot to be said that for the fact that they're three months in mm-hmm. and if the comparison is just creeping up for you, just like kind of like on the peripheral, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets bigger. Um, and that's also okay. And, you know, you're going to definitely experience a lot of opposite emotions, like maybe compersion and gratitude while also feeling jealous or, you know, comparing yourself to the other person while also being really excited that your partner is getting to experience this with that person. So this comparison is a trap. Sometimes I don't, I don't know about you, but I've definitely found it really easy to fall into comparison and not even recognize that I'm doing it because it feels like jealousy or envy. And when I sit down with it, I'm just like, Oh, I'm trying to make sure that at the end of the day, like what I'm, what I'm bringing to the table is enough or, you know, how am I still special or why is, why is this good? And I think on the other side of sitting with comparison, there is a recognition that happens as you go through this journey that your specialness in a lot of ways is an illusion that has been propagated through like society and um, relationship hierarchy or, you know, the fairy tale Disney dream of you're the one and then there's no one else, right? And so, although there is no one like you, just like we are all very much so individuals, there's a lot of relationship structure and things that people do together that is just normal and it's not necessarily special. And so there's certainly like a space in this where the comparison meets the death of specialness and you kind of have to sit in that that deconstruction of it and it's kind of gross and doesn't feel good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you you and I were talking before we hit record, and I think you you threw out the example of your, like, I guess I'm not the only buddy who can, or the, the only buddy, I'm not the only person who can, who can door dash soup to my partner when they're feeling sick. And that was a thing yep. that, that you had done, and then somebody else jumped in and did it, and it's like, uh-huh. hey, man, that's, Wait, that was our thing. That was our thing, right, right. <laughs> and I, I think that that ability to, to recognize that, in some ways, right? Somebody is going to stomp, we'll say stomp on your turf in some ways, right? That, that things that used yeah. to be unique for you may no longer be unique. And I think in the same vein, though, being able to take inventory about what does make your partnership unique and what does make, what does make you unique, because I think mm-hmm. that and and being able to have those conversations with your partner because like a really easy example that i can think of is like let's say birthdays right maybe you and your metamor have very different financial capabilities yes so birthday comes around and you're like hey partner i got you a really thoughtful card and i cooked you a meal and we went for a walk in the park mm-hmm. and your partner's metamor is like here's a 100 dollar piece of jewelry and a new shirt that you've been talking about and here's just lavish gifts and you're like holy shit i cannot keep up with this but is that really what like first of all is that really what your partner wanted from you or is that that's their relationship not yours and so really trying to get away from it but it is hard especially when you're like staring it in the face okay so i have a perfect example of that um one of my partners loves tool like loves the band tool 
I, I'm like, I love that you love this. I cannot meet you in that, in that space. Mm-hmm. And the tickets for this show are like ridiculous. And, um, one of her partners like swooped in, flew her up. They went and got tool tickets and went to the concert. She got all these shirts and I was like, Oh crap. I think I sent you like something from like Amazon and wrote you a really nice thing. And I don't have like the time, energy or money to be able to do all of those things because you know, he was, he's single. I've got kids. I just don't, <laughs> I can't swoop in and do. Um, and I was like, Oh, I felt bad about that. And I was like, should I be forking out? You know? And so I kind of fell into that comparison job and I kind of had to like check the facts on like what it was and what we were doing and also recognizing that, that their relationship was a lot newer than ours was. So it was in a different space. And I want her to experience all those things and enjoy all of that energy in the, in the new relationship space. Um, and recognize that ours was completely good and stood alone on itself, but I didn't have the, the space to be able to do all of the things that he did. And I was happy for her. Um, also I didn't want to go to tool. Like it's also like, I would have been there excited for her, but also like, dear Lord, when, when will this probably end? Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) So I want to be happy for the fact that someone else is going to be there really enjoying tool with her because she, she knows I will not be, um, I will be doing it out of love. And that, that would be it. You know, when you get into the comparison pieces, being able to pull out little pieces that are like, is this an actual fact? Am I acting as if, am I sitting in the shoulds? Mm-hmm. Um, is this actually something I want to do? Because maybe the walk in the park and the coffee and the, and, you know, the dinner, because you were fully there and present was absolutely sublime. Mm-hmm. Just as much as the gifts and the diamond bracelet or something like that is fully sublime from the other person because that is that's the energy and space and the nature of their relationship. Yeah. So yes, I think finding little spaces where you can recognize what makes your relationship unique and special and, and great and can't really be compared because no one is like the other person that those parts that aren't able to be compared. That's, that's where you want to sit. Yeah. Which as we, we say here, I think after every question, which is really hard to do, it, it is hard to sit in that and just mm-hmm. feel like, okay, the thing that I did is good enough. And the thing that she's going to go do, or they're going to go do with their other partner, that's, that doesn't make my thing less, but that's hard. Yeah. Also tool fans don't come for me. Y'all are intense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love too, though, that you said that, like, I think that is another thing that we, we often overlook is, do I even want to do this thing? That, you know, you see your partners, your, your metamor maybe doing something for your partner and you're like, it's coming up for you. And you're like, I don't even want to do that. Right. I don't even, I don't even like sushi. Why am I worried that they're going to a sushi restaurant? Like I've, I have never eaten sushi in my life. Why do I care? But it's, so I think that's, I think that's really important too. Um, yeah. The, the, one of the last notes I had on this, Miche, was just that comparison isn't always a bad thing. I think this opens mm-hmm. us up in partnerships to really reflect on ourselves. And I think it could be, for me, I've seen some behavioral changes where I, I can see how a partner's treat uh, my partner's partner, also known as a metamor. We've said metamor a few times. So our partner's partners are our metamors. So you see how your, your metamor is treating your partner and you can, you know, sometimes you can reflect on that and say, Wow, they, I've I've been trying to have this conversation with my partner for a decade, and it has gone poorly, and they just breezed through it. What 
what happened wow. there. Can we just stop for a minute and let that burn for a minute? Because I don't care <laughs> how many years you're in it or not in it. You can be grateful and it can burn all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And and because, yes, but at the same time, you're like, well, damn it. I've never been able to do that. That stings. And also, yeah. damn it. How do I do that? Like, how, mm-hmm. what, what am I, is there something, maybe it's just the chemistry between us, but it's clearly possible. And I think that for me was helpful. And also to say at times, I maybe am seeing somebody get treated in a way that like doesn't feel good. And then you can sometimes yeah. reflect and, and go, oh boy, I've, I've done some of that. Maybe I need to be more aware of my own. So I think there is some points here where the comparison is really a mirror for us to mm-hmm. think about how we are showing up. And so I, I think, I think there's a, there is value in it too, is really just to be yeah. aware of these feelings. Also, I, I, I've always kind of liked how people have said, you know, when I started this, what I realized is that I really enjoyed watching my partner, you know, bring some of that back. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you get dressed up now and you try harder and you're like a little bit more shiny. And okay, so now I'm recognizing that that's probably something I need to do as well. So maybe your partner decides to like go to the gym more or you get dressed up more or you all try to do fancier dates because you're entering into the space. So it's not just, you know, your metamor who's taking your partner on all these amazing outings. Now maybe you're also stepping up your game because you want to be an excitable option as well. And so sometimes it just helps you to stand your toes a little bit, not in a competitive way, but in a, like, I want this to be a pleasant option as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I, yep. Step your game up a little bit. And maybe sometimes it breaks us out of a funk, right? That we didn't even mm-hmm. want to be in, right? We, yeah. I think the the whole goal is not to become somebody who we're not, but to, mm-hmm. I think, to maybe be a little more of ourselves that maybe gets put away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And my, my very last note on this is just, again, circling back, like v- three months in, right? We just covered how long we've been doing this and we still have these things come up and we probably always will. And so I just mm-hmm. giving yourself some grace. Um, and it sounds like really right now it's not an issue, but that, that maybe it's, I think even just the awareness that it could be is really powerful because so many people go into this, like I'm confident, no problems here. I've got this licked. And then you find yourself crying in the bathroom going, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I definitely think that in the beginning, when you have comparison and it starts to come up a little bit, you'll probably run into some attachment issues um, somewhere down the road, which is a good thing because what we learn to do in relationships with another person that we see day in, day out, is we learn a very healthy dance, right? It's a dance of making sure the relationship works. But in that dance, a lot of times we learn how to move around the things that would normally ruffle our feathers, like comparison or jealousy. And you'll find at the end of like not being able to do this dance well, because this is hard, um, that you'll run into attachment issues that you have not needed to look at because it didn't, it wasn't necessary for the relationship to run smoothly or on autopilot. Um, And now you have to. So I wouldn't be surprised if behind the comparison is like, attachment issues being like, hello, Mm -hmm. here I am. Let's talk about it. Totally. Totally. And I think I I love too, that I think this first question, it it almost primes us for the second question, because I think this element of comparison uh, could also be a factor in, in something that could come up in this next one. So if you're feeling good, should we, should we jump into the second one? Yeah. Hello. 
me and my wife have been married for 13 years, been together for 15. Uh, we've been polyamorous for about three years now. And we have some friends of ours that we've been friends with them for a little over 10 years now. It's a couple and they have two young kids. We have four young kids. So our kids have been growing up together. This couple, they know everything about us. They know that we're poly. They know a lot of our history, a lot of our good, bad history, uh, just best friends. About six months ago, they decided to open up their marriage. They've known about us being poly for probably two and a half years or so. They, you know, have been having their experiences and it's been great to share experiences between the four of us, um, just talking about things and bouncing ideas off of each other and really supporting each other. So this is my question. Would somebody or anybody really be comfortable with your wife dating your best friend, this couple best friend? So my wife and the husband of this other couple have become interested in each other um, in more of a friend, more than a friendship way. Uh, they are our support. So we, I think it's too close to home. I think that, uh, them two dating would kind of like eliminate a good friend slash support for Polly because now they would be inside the circle of Polly and kind of a different circle of friends. Um, their thought is that they've been friends for 10 years and it's a safe thing because they really know each other. I would like the your guys' opinion on this and maybe the community's opinion as well to go which way. Is it is it a bad idea to mix best friends uh, with poly relationships or are those best kept alone or kept not off limits, but you know what I mean? This one's so hard because it's like, I don't think I I don't think I am nice enough of a person to share my best friend with my partner. <laughs> I need my best friend all to myself. <laughs> I love that. It's funny you say that, Misha. So this is a fun anecdote. Emma's first boyfriend back in high school mm-hmm. was my best friend. So we went to different schools. Um, I uh-huh. and I had this best friend for since first grade. And sometime in early high school or something like that, Emma and I got, I like got them together. I was like, you two are amazing. You should. So like, I get the appeal here because I'm like, it's my best friend and he's amazing. And it's, and it's this other person I love and they're amazing. And like, of course. So like, I see the appeal and Mm -hmm. Mm yeah. So I I like that we both come at that from a slightly different perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I ain't Sharon. I think at this point, <laughs> I think at this point, I might fall in that camp too of like, especially understanding like the support that goes into it and uh-huh. and all of the complexities of life today versus high school. So mm-hmm. I think I would probably land differently today, but I do see the appeal because it's amazing. And you look at it and go, wow, yeah. this could be just, we're already close. We're already tight. We know each other. We trust each other. All of the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trust is so big too because mm-hmm. it's like that trust piece you know it kind of helps you sleep better at night and it's like i know that if something went bumpy we could talk about it and i feel good about this and we align on our values probably like very similarly and i could see where this would be this would feel like an easy fit 
I feel like there's a but coming. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I do have a little bit of a but. So please take this with your own grain of salt. These are just my thoughts. But you said it, it might be a little too close to home. And I kind of like leaned more towards that. Because if something goes awry or wrong or it doesn't work out, you know, you've kind of lost a lot of that support base. So when you stated your question, the picture I got in my head is these are the people you do life alongside. And it's not just like couples hanging out together. It's kids intermingled. And that can get... Even in a monogamous relationship, a lot of people work very hard to reach back for each other, not because of each other, but for the kids. Now, when you add extra people to that with their kids, because I'm sure you love their kids, that becomes even more weighty. And I think that's something that needs to be highlighted here, that when you all are thinking about whether or not to engage in this, that there might be an undertow of needing to always try to figure out how to make this work because the kids will be so intertwined even more so than they are now. And so that's, that's kind of where my, my head kind of goes. And then the other thing that I was also thinking about for this particular question is if you do decide to go down this path, a really nice long conversation before anything else happens is how do we land this plane if we no longer want to be in it together? One of the things that, if I go back to my my previous answer, the other thing that kind of pops up for me is if you all are walking side by side and doing life so well together, there might come a point in this beautiful relationship you've cultivated where you don't see your individual marriages working out in the future without these extra people. I think that'd be such an easy, organic space to begin to enter as you all continue to intertwine your lives. And so if you don't have a plan for how to land this plane if someone, one person or two people want to get off this ride in a way that preserves the friendship. I could see it imploding, not just the four-way connection, but also your individual relationships. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, Misha. I think a few of the things that I wanted to just, I would love to highlight in there was I think overall, the, the takeaway that the, the note I had, and it lines up really well with this, is really taking an inventory of what would be impacted if this doesn't work out. And that's not to say that it, it couldn't last forever, but yeah. it may not. And to really think about what would truly be the fallout. And I think thinking about that, if you can take your rose-colored glasses off a little to not be like, oh, we're best friends. We would just, it would be fine. It wouldn't impact this. It wouldn't impact that. But really thinking about what if it did, you know, what would be the impact on, like you said, on your kids or, um, you know, on your own, your own relationship. And I, I, so I think taking that inventory of what could be lost and what would be the ramifications. Pros and cons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the part you, the, the, the note you made about the feeling, the pressure to stay together, I think that, uh-huh. that was a really, I think, understated thing that can happen in dynamics like triads and quads and bigger mm-hmm. groups. But also when you bring kids in, which is mm-hmm. this doesn't really feel great or this, there's parts of this that aren't working and maybe I would end it or transition it. But if I do, it's going to mess up my partner's relationship. Or if I do, it's going to mess up my kid's best friend. And it's, yeah. and so you're now almost in a little bit of a like self-created hostage situation. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and I have met some poly people who have stayed together for way longer than they wanted to because of the kids. You know, they like fall in love with the kids and they're like, I, I don't, I, they're like, I see this ending poorly and they're going to take the kids from me. And I don't want that. And it still ends. Mm-hmm. It's just taken a lot longer and they hadn't sat down and been like, what happens if this happens? How do we want to do this? Well, because the kids need to be the focus because they love there's, there's love there. So those, those are, those are my thoughts about it. I really hope that if you guys decide to, to do this or go the other way and be like, let's do this, that we just create a landing plan. Yeah. <laughs> it can be beautiful. It can be so organic. The reasoning behind it is beautiful because there is trust and understanding probably a lot of shared goals and values. Um, and f- two, three, fours, you know, it's hard. It is hard. And I, I think a, a couple of pieces in there too, that, that were, I wanted to highlight that, that this person said, he, he said clearly they are our support system. And yeah. I think that mm-hmm. Really, one of the things that Emma and I have learned, and this is not a pitch for our community, but just the value of community and support around you mm-hmm. is so critical to have people yeah. who are close to you that you can go to and say, like, this is crazy. This is messed up. And you can say stuff like, well, my wife's boyfriend just did this. Yes. And not have the person go, your what's what? Why Why does your wife have a, like, that's your problem if you got yeah. rid of your wife. <laughs> Right. And so you can fix that. You, having people who get it is so important. And especially if yeah. it's your, your best friend. And I think mm-hmm. that for me is if I, if I felt like I could not pick up my phone and text my best friend about something that I was struggling with, I honestly don't know what I would do. Right. Like that yes. is, that is for me, a critical person in my life that, that I, there is nothing that I would do to take that risk of losing that person. Like sometimes you need someone to be like, you're being a dumbass and here are all the reasons. But if I know that you're like, have an emotional attachment or a sexual attachment to my partner, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt instead of like the pure love that it probably came from. Like I might just, I'm going to receive it differently. Yeah. Or, you know, if you want to go and complain and your best friend is like, Hey, have you thought of it from this angle? And you're like, Oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. Like I'm going to hold that and show up as a better partner because I have a non-biased person who's on my side, but also on the side of the relationships working well, that doesn't have stake in any of this. I need that. I need that good soft landing spot, that safety net, that soundboard. I need it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think too, I, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I think too, there's a part in here that I, I don't want this to be all negative that it's not possible. I, it's not that I don't think it is possible. I think it's really about assessing what the potential is for you uh, on the pluses and the potential risks. And mm-hmm. I think the other one that really stuck out to me was how, how new, first of all, the other couple is, you know, a few months into this and even being three, three and a half years into this, we've, you know, having interviewed as many people as we have and been in this as long as we have, we, we hear often from people that it's, you know, the first six years, the first seven years, the first decade was just tumultuous. We were learning so Mm -hmm. much about ourselves. We were fixing all of this stuff that was on, we hid under the rug that we didn't know was there for a, for, for a decade. 
Mm-hmm. I'm speaking from experience here. Emma and I, we had stuff that we piled under our relational rug for years and years and years, and we're just unpacking it now, 15 years into non-monogamy. So same. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, like you don't even recognize like it's and it's not like you're ignoring stuff. Like it's just stuff that you just literally didn't see. Yeah. And then it pops up and it's like, oh, but look, there's been a whole pattern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's, it's a little um daunting. Yeah. And and so I my my note about that was not to say don't ever do it, but mm-hmm. maybe, and again, this is just my own thought practice practice getting some of learning some of these things when the stakes are lower maybe being able to support your friends and have them support you in other partnerships that are lower stakes and that that you get to go through those motions and maybe see each other support each other through that growth and and maybe someday you're like hey you know what this actually i think we could do this now and i'm again not saying you couldn't do it today I think what we've learned, my own experience, I learned that there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know that I had to work on myself and in my marriage before it was really stable to do a really intense attachment-based partnership outside of it. Yeah. I'm also going to say, it, it's if if anything, it should be about timing. Like, if you're saying this is something I definitely want to do, I think the perspective or lens to look through at this would be timing. What time would you enter into this four-way relationship that would work best for all parties included? And that timing might be, like, when the kids are closer to, like, graduating and it's just the four of us we have to work on and not also all these other responsibilities that we have. Or, like, like Finn said, you know, maybe getting some time underneath our belt so that you can figure out what relationship structure and style in poly even works for you. When I started poly, I was like, I want to move on to a commune. I want all my people around me. I want some horses and chickens. And now I'm like, everybody get out of my house. I want all my space. I will come visit you. You come visit me. We're good. (laughs) But I didn't know that in the beginning. Yep. I love that. I think that's so valuable. The we don't know what we don't know until we know it. And again, you'll never know everything, right? And so we're not like, I get that. I agree with that argument 100% that at a certain point, we do have to take risks in life. And I think that for me is really this inventory, risk inventory. What is what's what's at stake here? And is it worth it for us? Or maybe, maybe today isn't the day. Maybe it's in five years. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I wanted to offer one resource at the end of this that that I think is a really valuable one that I've I've come back to a few times for myself in the last few months is a is an episode of another podcast um, I, I edit for Libby Sinback uh, called Making Polyamory Work and it was episode ninety one called The Heart Wants What It Wants and mm-hmm. my sort of takeaways from this are really just assessing your life and saying what can my actual life support maybe i maybe i am madly in love with this person and they are truly my soulmate if if that's a thing that that is that that you believe in they are my soulmate but i met them at a point where i've been in a marriage for 30 years and i have kids and i have a home and i have a business and i have and so what is going to be the impact on my life to be with my soulmate is it is it worth it and maybe it is, but maybe it's saying I my life just can't support this thing that I want in the way that my life is today. 
can I restructure my life over time to maybe get there? Sure. But just, I think that to me is a really important thing is just saying, what, what is capable, what am I capable of today? And if I'm not capable of the things I want, how do I change my capacity to my capabilities to achieve them? Oh, that's such a good idea. I like that so much. Libby's awesome. Also, I think sometimes we kind of get into this space in new relationships or this relationship structure where you think you found like something really amazing and, and gorgeous and we can get a little tunnel vision. I'm not saying that's how you are, how you all are at all, but it can feel like this might be the only thing that might work in this way. And I heard somebody say, I was probably scrolling, doom scrolling through like, like uh, Instagram or whatever. But I remember one of them was talking about how, um, you know, you haven't met all the people who are going to love you and, you know, all of the people who could possibly be your soulmate or your person could probably fill a football stadium. Like all the people in the world that might actually be very, very compatible with you. And so there is no need for rush or to lock it down <laughs> or to figure out how to maneuver like that specifically right. And I am preaching to the choir because I will do some emotional math in my head, like nobody's business, you know, and I'm like maneuvering things, but it makes you exhausted and it keeps you out of being in the present and there isn't a scarcity here. So I just want to also offer that up as just like a good reminder. Yeah. But it feels so good when you meet that person and you're just like, Oh my God, your brain's just like, Oh. Just buzzing on, <laughs> buzzing on chemicals. It's it's oh my gosh. It's, it's good. It's a good time. <laughs> good time. It's a good time. Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. I love it. Well, Michelle, how do you feel about that one? And and putting a bow on it for let's put a bow on it. Put a bow yeah. on it. Perfect. Let's put a bow on it. And so that I guess that's that's really sort of what we have for everybody today, other than just. I guess maybe it's the end of the year. This is we're 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 deep in the holiday season. We got a couple of couple of days left of the year. So just I want to say thank you to everybody for for we've gotten some feedback from all of you about these episodes and that's been wonderful and for supporting Miche and I doing this for the last few months and we're kind of finding a groove and worked out some of our audio problems and technical glitches and we're we're having a good time and we we just hope you are as well. Yeah, I'm just excited to hang out with everybody. And these questions are amazing. I love that they're really thought-provoking. And you can tell that it comes from from the community. And that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm also really looking forward to you guys hanging out in my neck of the woods here pretty soon. That's true. We are. For, for anybody who's who's still hanging on, we're going to be in Atlanta. Emma and I will be in Atlanta on uh, January 12th to the 14th for our community retreat. So that is members of our official uh, virtual community, which you can find out more on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community tab. There's still a chance you could join us. Uh, we can probably squeeze you in. So if you join the community and let us know that you're interested, we can we can hook you up. So we'd love to have you. All right. With that, we'll say Happy New Year to everybody. We'll see you in January and we hope everybody stays safe. Awesome. Happy holidays. Thank you, Miche. Have a wonderful holiday yourself. You too. Whoopsies. One more thing. We just wanted to remind everybody where to find Miche before we say goodbye. So Miche, if people want to learn more about you and your coaching work and 
work with you or get more information, how should people do that? Yeah, take a look at us. We are at expansiveconnection.com. We have some holiday offerings, um, things to offer your relationships. We believe in buying yourself self-improvement things and working on yourself, but also buying gifts for the relationship. Um, So you can also look at booking coaching sessions with us if that's something that you'd be interested in. There's five of us now, so scrolling down, but you can also find me there and book a session with me and I'd love to work with you. Yeah, I love it. And I throw my full support behind all of the coaches at Expansive Connection, just amazing people. So thank you. Thank you again, Miche. And this time, goodbye for real. We'll see you you in 2024. (laughs) Oh, it's insane. 